good morning. Welcome back to the Broadcast Retirement Network. I'm Jeff Snyder. This is BRN AM for Wednesday, January 18th, 2023. And our top story today, social media use may affect youth brain development. Joining me now to discuss this and a lot more, Cara Ann Fox is a graduate student and was the lead researcher at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. Well, Cara, it's good to see you. Thanks so much for joining us on the program this morning. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. All right, let's talk about the research that you and the team did at, uh, at UNC, and it's about the, the the brain changes around social media. How how prevalent is this? I mean, we all use our phones. I have mine right here. I'm not scrolling through social media, by the way. But how 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 much change does it really do to your brain from your research? Yeah. So what we found um, is two different trajectories of brain development associated with differences in how often somebody checks social media at a young age. Um, So they were different at the start of the study, which is interesting because that kind of suggests to us that this might be starting even earlier than we were. So kids that were about 12, 13 uh, filled out some surveys indicating how much they check social media a day. And kids that checked more often or more habitually um, started out lower in their brain's sensitivity to social feedback and increased over time, um, which we tracked over a year. So two different brain scans showed increased activation um, in areas in their brain that were associated with processing of social feedback. Um, And the other group that was moderate to low checking started out higher in social sensitivity and decreased over time. Um, So we saw two different distinct paths of brain development um, associated with different social media behaviors. brain looking different a year later. And we can't really say what that means yet. Um, We don't have, we didn't look at any outcomes. Um, That will be a really important direction for future studies. Um, But this is really just showing us that however somebody uses social media or how often, how often they check it um, might be associated with a different path of brain development. And and we can't draw any conclusions yet because the the research isn't completely finalized. But when you say changes in the brain and forgive me i'm a lay person i'm not a doctor by any stretch of the imagination maybe a doctor of retirement but what does that mean i mean we we have had um people professionals on talking about cognitive decline and how things like cte and other impacts to the brain have occurred from falls or just getting older does it resemble that or is it a different look it's a different look so Adolescence is a critical period of brain development. Um, Things are changing. The brain is adapting to its environment to be able to better navigate it. Um, And social information is particularly important in adolescence. Um, It's really important to developmental tasks like identity processing. And so kids are actually, adolescents are wired to value social information above all else and sort of move away from, you know, valuing parents and more into peers, which makes sense because we've seen this for decades and how much adolescents value their friendships and spend time with their pay attention to stuff going on with their peers. Um, So what we're seeing is like kids who are checking social media more often are their brains are getting more sensitive to they're activating more when they're anticipating social feedback. Um, So I guess whatever rewards and punishments, um, this is something that we, you know, kind of offer as a possible explanation for our results. is that like, you know, looking for likes, comments, whatever they're getting um, that's socially rewarding or punishing is sort of causing their brain to 
um, become more attuned to that and become more sensitive. Um, the decrease on the other group may be more developmentally normative. Um, but yeah, we're just going to have to do some more studies and further explain that. Yeah, I, I mean, I think this is incredibly interesting. And here we are. I think the iPhone wasn't invented until 2007. Here we are with social media. I guess it doesn't matter what platform. Uh, they, you know, they say that a lot of people are using Instagram. They're using the TikTok. They're using some of these other platforms. Is is what you're seeing, or at least in the responses you got, is it platform dependent, or is it happening if someone's using, for example, Facebook? Yeah, so we looked at um, the top three popular social media platforms at the time that we collected the data. Um, so kids endorse most popular Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. And we added up the number of times that they said that they checked each platform to like a total score of checking social media. So we didn't really focus in on differences between the platforms. And a reason for that is how rapid technology how rapidly technology changes. Um, we want to make sure that we're keep making our research as relevant and generalizable as possible because um, platforms fall in and out of favor. Like teens actually are really not using Facebook as much anymore. And this is before TikTok, right? And TikTok is huge. Um, but because we looked at the behavior of social media checking, like how often they looked for an update, um, we can kind of extend that behavior um, and consider that you know, going forward, even though the digital landscape is already super different from when it was when we collected this data. Last question before we go to a commercial break. And I guess, uh, you know, there, there's been a lot of uh, studies done about the blue light that comes from the phone. Um, how does that relate or does it not relate to anything that you're studying? Is some of that factored in? Is that, you know, because they say that the blue light can, can um, change your circadian rhythm. It can have impacts on sleep. When I remember being a young person, I don't think I slept very much. Um, I'm imagining <laughs> kids today are probably the same. Maybe they're not. They're playing video games and doing other things. Maybe maybe they're not as outside as we were when I was younger. But does that blue light have the same kind of impact in in your study? Yeah, we didn't look at blue light in our study. We focused on the habitual checking behavior, um, and our research group hasn't looked at blue light specifically. Um, however, in this area of social media research, something that we're seeing come up a lot is just the amount of sleep that teens are getting. Um, and you know, if they're checking social media a lot, like we didn't account for what, when that's happening. So like, are they doing it a lot at night? Is it keeping them from going to bed? Are they waking up in the middle of the night and checking it? Because those are all like nuances and variations on the behavior that are probably really important, um, and would result in differences, but that's just something that we would need to study in the future. As far as um, blue light, um, like I can't really speak to blue light specifically, but sure. social media and technology can uh, interrupt or influence sleep patterns in a lot of different ways. And so checking, I think, could do that. Um, so looking more specifically at that in the future will be important. Yeah. And yeah. Um, sorry, I was going to say like parents um, ask a lot of a lot of times people will ask me, like, what would you tell parents and policymakers or educators? And I, I think sleep is one of the biggest targets that is like easy to set a limit on, like, no, like cutting off phone at bedtime at some point, just so kids, um, yeah, can protect their sleep integrity a little bit. Yeah, really. Well, really important. You need that time to refresh 
and, it, and you need it more as you get older too. Carl, I need to take a very quick break. When we come back, we'll talk more about the impact of social media on young brains and maybe old brains like mine. You're going to want to stay tuned right here on BRN AM. Imagine a new television network that will make you richer, healthier, and in control of your financial future. This network is for the policewoman in Nashville, Tennessee, the baker in Dubuque, Iowa, the teacher in Lexington, Kentucky. We want to make the idea of savings and retirement culturally relevant. But what do you see as a defining issue of the midterms? Especially for the smaller businesses. I mean, they are the lifeblood of the American economy. Featuring exclusive interviews, current affairs, and docu-series. 33 yeah. years old, you retired early. The philosophy is money only matters if it helps you live a life that you love. But you gotta start thinking about retirement as soon as you get in. The Broadcast Retirement Network will drive very high engagement with premium partnerships. So this isn't retirement and savings for your parents or grandparents. This is for all Americans. And we're gonna change the way you think about money. Welcome to the next frontier of retirement and savings. This is BRN, the Broadcast Retirement Network. Are you stuck with a low credit score? A credit report and score that's causing you to be denied credit or pay higher interest rates than others for the same things? Then do what Terrence did and called Credit Repair for your free credit evaluation to help restore your credit. I started thinking about buying a new house and my score wasn't where I needed it to be. I called and spoke with one of the representatives and we just had a good conversation and I, I liked what he was saying. Just one call for his free credit evaluation was all it took to start back on the track to repairing his credit. I'm seeing the deletions and I'm getting the report so I know something's being done. It does make a difference to me. All it takes is one call to get started. Credit repair has given me a second chance to have a better credit score. Don't let a low credit score hold you back another day. Do what Terrence did and make the call for your free credit evaluation. Call 800-819-4152. That's 800-819-4152. Again, 800-819-4152. Welcome back. We're joined this morning by Cara Ann Fox. She's a graduate student at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. She also was the lead researcher for the research on social media. Cara, thanks so much for staying with us. Really appreciate you hanging around for segment number two this morning. Yeah, definitely. I'm enjoying the conversation. Yep, and, and by the way, I was scrolling through my phone uh, well, during the commercial break. I'm, I'm sorry to, uh, <laughs> to do that to you. Uh, let's, in, in all kidding aside, um, has it, I know you, you focused your study on younger, younger brains, developmental, uh, you know, children that are developing, et cetera, on social media. What about possibly looking at people of my age, middle-aged Americans, people who are, you know, back, like I said, the phone didn't come out until 2007. Before that, we used Blackberries and maybe beepers. I don't know if people even remember beepers to communicate with one another. 
What about studying the impact of people that have already have developed brands? Yeah, I think that this is a really interesting question because we've been thinking and talking a lot about how we would extend our specific developmental study. And because the groups were different at the start of the study, we would love to start earlier as kids are starting to use media earlier and earlier. Um, and also to follow them for longer to see what kind of outcomes and changes happen into adulthood. Um, and yeah, middle age, um, already developed brains, as you say. Um, yeah, I think that that's a really interesting thing to think about because, you know, teens are developing now growing up with this, um, and sort of getting that, like, like their brain is adapting to this digital environment that they're interacting with as they're growing up in this critical period of brain development. And so I'm sure that there are differences among people who did not have that experience or grew up with different technology. Yeah, I mean, I grew up with it, you know, in the computer age. So it was the computer age with the Apple II, the TI-994A, the IBM 286. I'm, I'm really dating myself here. So I've always known computers. But I'm, I'm curious, that constant flipping with the thumb, if you're using a phone, and, and looking at that what, that, what that does to our brain. Let me ask you... Um, also about what does this mean for the gathering of information? I know a lot of the study was around, uh, you know, we all, we all like to have, uh, be popular. I always wanted to be a popular person in, in high school. We all wanted to know what was happening with our peers. Um, but, but what about the information that's, that's um, provided on social media? And I'll give an example. I was reading somewhere that some, it went viral, how to remove your braces on TikTok. Now, it's been about 30 or 40 oh years since goodness. I had braces. Um, and, and dentists were like outraged, like, Hey, you know, don't do this. But what does this say about the actual information being provided and, and do policymakers and others need to be cognizant of actually what is being portrayed online? Yeah. So sort of asking about the spread of misinformation and like people being able to rise to popularity with that, especially on TikTok. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that something that I've been thinking a lot about, um, as a more clinically oriented um, psychology student is the spread of misinformation or just, you know, information in general on TikTok about um, mental health and different experiences with different disorders. And there's a lot of TikTok videos that are things like, if you do these three things, you have anxiety or you have ADHD, which I think on one hand is great for some things because it's giving kids validation or maybe they're feeling they're not alone or maybe they're able to get good quality information about um, what might be going on with them like it empowers them to ask for help like ask for what they need and there's a lot of misinformation um, and that can that's concerning um, for you know what kids are um absorbing when they're, you know, scrolling through um, their algorithm is feeding them more and more and more of this information, the more the time that they spend on it. Um, and I read something recently that said that kids are shifting to search more for information on TikTok than they are on Google, which is very interesting um, because, yeah, there is good quality information on TikTok, but there's also a lot of not, and there's a lot of like personal anecdote type content that's presented as fact. Um, so I think it's going to be really important to kind of teach kids how to, um, differentiate between that, um, and be, you know, mindful media consumers going forward. Uh, let's end on a, a positive note because social media is not all bad. It's not all good. Let's talk about 
some of the good things you mentioned, the the sense of community. You're not alone if you have some mental health challenges or any challenges. Uh, a lot of older adults have been using social media, especially during the pandemic. Uh, they've been using FaceTime. They've been using their phones. It's a good source of a good way to foster community and to know that mm-hmm. you're not, you know, and especially in today's day and age where you and I are, are talking to each other. Uh, you're in, in, North Car- in North Carolina like me, but you're in Chapel Hill. I'm in Charlotte. So there's quite a bit of different away, different ways to interact, but it, it does a lot of good as well as create some challenges. Yeah, absolutely. Especially during the pandemic when this was kind of our only option. Um, this technology allows us to connect with each other. Um, one thing that I think is really amazing is that kids that are more socially isolated or they're in a community where they're feeling um, kind of minoritized in their identity or not accepted in their identity, um, like particularly for like LGBTQ youth, they're able to go online and find other kids like them and have these online only friendships. Um, There's another study done by people in our group that showed that these online only friendships can be protective against suicidal ideation. So that's huge. Like the fact that kids have access to to this when they would not have had this before. Um, and of course, yeah, ben, there wouldn't um, be so much social media. It wouldn't be so dominant in our lives if it didn't offer us benefit. Um, so I think it's really important to remember that um, when sometimes you see or hear these discussions or articles that kind of incite panic a little bit, like, um, you know, like this is causing this and causing that. And we need to be really worried about our kids. Like there's balance, balance is possible. Um, And it's kind of like how offline relationships have worked forever. Um, Like sometimes you'll have a fight with a friend and that will negatively affect you. So there's been good and bad always. And it's, that's the case for digital social interactions too. Uh, Last question, Cara, you've been really uh, kind to give us your time this morning. Uh, What about some takeaways for the the platforms? I mean, do like uh, the metas of the world, the TikToks, um, you know, what what do they take away from this study? Is it that they have to do more to more prevent preventative things, more reviewing or I don't want to say censorship, but reviewing things online before they're they're uh, put out? Yeah, so my motivation in this work is to boost benefit and limit harm and introduce ways to limit risk as much as possible, educate people about that. Um, And ideally, that would be what the platforms do as well, as they're trying, hopefully they would try and find ways to boost benefit to people and reduce risk. Um, Of course, it's definitely not um, that simple in these big corporations. Um, But if they do have the ability to get all of this valuable information about how people are using their platforms and we saw a couple of years ago how um, Instagram, they were collecting information on Instagram and that it was harming girls and not necessarily sharing that widely. Um, so being m- more responsible with that, um, hopefully some kind of legal action that could help hold them accountable for that. Um, yeah, because these platforms are, you know, it is a business. These platforms are designed to be addictive and have people interact with them as much as possible. Um, so that's an interesting thing to con- to consider. Yeah, well, <laughs> I guess this, this is, well, really appreciate you spending a few minutes with us and more than a few minutes with us talking about the research. And look, this is an ongoing conversation. I think that we'll be talking about this for not just this year, but for years to come. Car, we're going to have to leave it there. Great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us. And we look forward to having you back 
on the program again very soon. Yeah, thank you so much. And that wraps up this episode of BRNAM. Have a topic of interest, somebody you think we should talk to, drop us a line. And don't forget, for all the latest curated news and lifestyle, wellness, finance, tech, so much more, all in one place, check out today's edition of our daily newsletter, The Morning Pulse. Want to search our archives, check out our latest content? Well, visit our website and, of course, all of our streaming partners. We're back again tomorrow for another edition of BRNAM. Until then, I'm Jeff Snyder. Stay safe, keep on saving, and don't forget, roll with the changes. Now is your opportunity to co-create content around any topic on the first lifestyle and wellness network. Reach a global audience through our platform and co-own exclusive branded content. All of our programs are available on demand and also as audio-only podcasts so you can take us on the go. Broadcast Retirement Network, available anytime, anywhere, and on any device. Tax audits, tax liens, wage garnishments. Every day we hear stories like this about good folks who are simply struggling to pay their bills. Each of them are living a frightening IRS tax nightmare, and they are afraid it will destroy their lives. I'm a divorced single mom, and my ex-husband left me and the kids with a lot of unpaid bills, including unpaid taxes. I was really starting to show my stress on my kids because the IRS had sent me a letter demanding a huge payment from me. I couldn't afford it. So then the IRS was threatening to garnish my wages. I'm already living paycheck to paycheck. That would have put me over the edge financially. It truly seemed hopeless, but then a friend at work told her to call the tax relief line. The people at the tax relief line, they told me about something called innocent spouse relief. They worked it out so that all of the taxes from my ex are not my problem. I don't know how that works and and I don't care. All I care about is that I don't owe the IRS a dime and they are not going to take my paycheck. Even if it seems hopeless, you should call the number on your screen right now. There is absolutely no cost for the call or the consultation. You are under no obligation. If you are worried that the IRS could garnish your wages, seize your assets, even take your home, call us right now. The Tax Relief Line is here to help you. Now you have a knowledgeable, professional team of tax experts that are ready to negotiate with the IRS and fight for you to save you money. The Tax Relief Line's professionals have successfully negotiated thousands of cases, reducing and sometimes even eliminating the tax debt for their clients. It's very easy to get started. Simply call the number on your screen right now. You don't have to live in fear anymore. The call and the consultation are free. 